Hello and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that changed everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible and ultimately pushed them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What Makes Them Tip? Entrepreneurial Innovations That Changed Everything. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and today I'm talking with Joe Rice. Joe was the co-founder of Acclivity, a cloud transformation consulting firm that works with enterprise clients. He's a father of two, a four-year-old and an 18-month-old, and he met his wife while studying abroad in Australia. Joe, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's already been awesome just meeting you and getting to know you. For our listeners, tell us a little bit about your story in entrepreneurship. Yeah, so um, I was about five years into my career on enterprise sales, working for for CenturyLink and Telecom, uh, similar to what Mike, Mike Strata worked in uh, Telecom as, as he was starting as well. And um, about five years in, I got an opportunity to work with a company called Avant Communications, um, which was a distributor and broker for telecom, cloud, connectivity, infrastructure, and managed services. Uh, and, and their role is really to empower uh, partners uh, like Acclivity, um, which didn't exist at the time, uh, to really scale their businesses by working with multiple vendors uh, and, and really brokering technology service providers. Um, I had known that, that I wanted to get on that side of the fence um, early in my career. What happened when I was at CenturyLink is that I was building a lot of really good trust and client relationships, and I I didn't win as much as I thought I should be winning relative mm. to the amount of effort that I was putting in and the amount of trust I was building. Uh, and so, you know, when I saw the opportunity to jump to be kind of in the trusted advisor space, which is you know this brokerage model allows me to be in front of a client building trust and really providing a, the best of breed solutions uh, along the way. So when I had the opportunity to go do that, um, I actually ended up working and being hired by my future business partner. And um, we worked, we were there for about a year watching them grow. Um, I was employee number nine. And uh, when we left out there, they had about 30 employees and they're a great success story, growth story here in Chicago as well. Uh, I've got 130 or 140 employees now and have really blown up uh, since we joined uh, back in 2012. So what had happened, though, is I, we knew both my, my partner and I knew we wanted more uh, control and influence and, and really be more client client facing and, and provide more value to directly to their clients. Uh, so about a year into that, so it's 2013, we decided to go off on our own and build our own book of, of residual business. And, and the way the revenue model works is very similar to insurance broker. Um, we go help find, source the right quotes, uh, and then bring them back to the client uh, and help them you know, make the decision. It takes a very long time to get cash in the door and a long time to build up that base. But once you do, it's residual and comes in every month and, and, and can really stack nicely. So um, I, I knew I wanted to... It, I'd say my, my vision for being an entrepreneur was the floor is pretty, pretty, or I should say the ceiling was pretty low. Um, 
I just, I knew if I could get over the hump in this brokerage model in some way, there'd be a sustainable way to build company value and, and good income and still have good client relationships. Um, and uh, one of the things that was, was great about having a business partner uh, at the time is he's a very big thinker and really pushes us out of our, our comfort zone there. Uh, so, you know, in terms of the highlights along the way, uh, it was uh, the first two years were us saying yes to everything. Um, yep. we, we had some better say aggressively say yes. And then we figure it out, which is kind of exactly what we did. And, um, that got us, it really built a nice book of business with some really, uh, loyal and trusting clients. Uh, but we did find, uh, much harder to qualify and align with clients the right way when we said we could do a lot of things and yep. said that to everyone. Um, yep. and, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of, uh, when, when we went off on our own, we knew we wanted autonomy. We knew we were, we were driven enough to go do it. Um, but I, you know, in the, in 2013, we didn't have visions of hiring people. Well, we, we thought we might eventually, but I, I wasn't tied to any, any type plan at the time. Was there a standout, uh, breaking point, like moment of that, of like, wow, we're, we're saying yes to everybody and this is not working. We can't do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, we were, it was about end of 2014. So we we're about a year and a half, two years in, and we had, we'd kind of seen the world through a couple different lenses. The, the first was the clients that loved everything we did. So we were, we're going above and beyond what their expectations were in terms of helping find a client. Um, and we had clients that said, uh, I, I can't move forward. So I know you can't get paid from the vendor. Um, please send me a, uh, an invoice. And uh, so I just want to make sure you're compensated. You guys spent a ton of time. I trust you. It just didn't work out for our organization at this point. So that was nice. That felt good at the time. But we also thought we probably shouldn't wait until the client wants to pay us unsolicited, <laughs> uh, you know, in an unsolicited way to, to do that. And then on the other side, we had a lot of clients that, uh, really abused our time. Uh, and people had said, yeah. all right, if you're doing this in chase of a sale, you're a sales guy and I'll get as much leverage out as you can and, and not really tell you the truth and, and be transparent on what's going on. And so we had, we were, we were struggling to, to get real, you know, kind of the flywheel effect of being more, uh, focused. And, um, so that was, that was one of the things that we, we decided to do. Um, and around that time we were, we were charging pretty small amounts, uh, but it was still this agreement and pre-qualification of, all right, you trust me, you're going to pay me for my time. And also I'm not going to waste my time with you unless you're not <laughs> willing to value my opinion. And, yeah, yeah. um, and, and that was really, that was really kind of the, when we started realizing like there, there's a better way to go to market here. And, and it's really uncommon for, for the rest of the industry. Almost everyone else is brokerage and sales only. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what are some of the unique ways that Acclivity approached the market? So, so, so really just the, the idea to, to go, uh, Put together a scope, slow down, and and really th view the world from a client's perspective on what else they needed to accomplish w was unique for our, for our industry. Our, our industry was really built on telco commodity type services that were brokered through a spreadsheet on price, and so everyone had you know some of these little uh, different ways to add value around that. Sometimes lifecycle management, post sale support, or implementation. Um, but it was, it was not tightly scoped and, uh, it really understood what we as a business needed to do to earn the referral fees from the agents or from the vendors, but also from a client, like, what are you doing? Right. You, you come back with all this great work, but I don't, I, you know, I don't have a scope here. You know, one, one of the other things that we knew we were losing were clients that a CIO or a VP of IT who said, 
I'm going to make this a transformational project for my organization. I got someone that's willing to go, you know, battle and wrestle this uh, gorilla to the ground over the next 12 months because these are really large projects, but they're going to do it for free and we have no leverage over them because we don't have an SOW and there's really no written agreement. You know, the, the really mature enterprise organizations aren't going to put, or we, we find, or at least in our experience, rarely put that much faith in something it wasn't scoped. Uh, and so really having taken an enterprise approach to kind of a pro services and management consulting approach to the, to the work that we were doing uh, was, is, was pretty innovative relative to the rest of our industry. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's talk about the, the tipping point of acclivity. So what, what, what would you say was your tipping point? Yeah, so um, it was really tightly aligned with us deciding to to go scope uh, projects and, and really become a, a pro services and, and management consulting firm. And so, what what we um, we always knew we wanted to go up market, uh, but in 2015, uh, a large online e-commerce retailer that a lot of people have heard of, known for for cheap coupons uh, at restaurants and uh, massages and uh, haircuts and all all of that. Uh, was moving their contact center to the cloud. Um, and we had put together a scope of work. Uh, after we were done with the, cl- the project, the client told us we should have charged three or four times as much, um, mm. which was, uh, so we, like I said, we weren't charging a lot of money, but we did have a pretty tight scope on exactly what we we're going to do. And we felt that that really got us into uh, this the, uh, a large enterprise client. Um, at, at the time, is the cl- biggest cloud contact center deployment uh, for chat, uh, voice and, uh, and email routing, uh, that, that we were aware of in, in, in 2015. And so, uh, it was a really, um, that, that was kind of the first big, uh, yeah. I would say combination of really tight scope, really well aligned client, massive project from a vendor side. So it was, you know, it was a, a lot of profitable opportunity for us. And a really quick timeline uh, where we also helped to manage the implementation as well, and uh, and then we, we we started rolling from there. The, the following year, we had a, another really large uh, client that was on, on the network side that that kind of followed the same pattern, and all along the way, really the, the tipping point for us to grow faster was that instead of having twelve to fifteen months to get cash in the door from a sales cycle, we were getting cash in the door you know, 30, 60 days, you know, a- after really kicking off projects and sometimes even sooner, you know, depending on uh, on payment terms and, and so forth. So for, for us, we wouldn't have been able to hire. And we went from zero to 20 employees and, uh, or two, two or three to 20 employees in, in about three years. And went, Man, what uh, did that to, feel like? <laughs> uh, it was, it was wild. It was, it was really fun though. You know, I mean, the, the, uh, the, we had an awesome culture that, you know, when I, when I talk about uh, the culture of saying yes and figuring it out, um, we, we hired young people without a lot of industry background, but we're really, who were wired and could succeed in, uh, or, you know, a, an, an informal environment <laughs> where people were excited to get, go out and help clients and, 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 and really grow. And yeah, so that, that was a, a tremendous amount of lessons learned along the way that uh, that was it was a really great ride. Um, and, and along the way, we were 695 on the uh, Inc. 5000 in 2018 and made it again in 2019. And, uh, you know, as, as I said, for us to, to flip the revenue model while still ha- uh, being able to maintain those vendor relationships and be transparent about the clients was was kind of one of the big things. The, the other thing that we uh, decided that we had to focus on because we we started charging consulting is that 
um, we had to be more focused from a vendor standpoint and, and technology standpoint. So we really focused on the network communications tower, which is about a third of IT spend. Technically, we were brokering data center and some of these other uh, adjacent technologies that we just didn't have the depth and to sustain after that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So for listeners who are listening to this episode, what are some of the big takeaways that you would want them to take away? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, depending, obviously, this is a pretty specific story to a, a kind of a go to market sales model. I, I think for us, it was really just have, having the confidence to to, to realize that as entrepreneurs, even though we're hungry and scraping to, to get make this business work, that we value our time <laughs> and that we we really want it's it. So it, it was it was a lesson. It, it, it was it was a lesson um, also in kind of understanding uh, kind of who what our ideal client was. Right, I'm, I'm a big believer in kind of the yes. pro services and pro, uh, professional service marketing space specifically is going to be really focused on who that ideal client is. And and they're the ones that, you know, not only are more profitable, but they're more fun. It's not swimming upstream. There's compounding energy from, from growth and projects there. And, and that really helped narrow our focus, not only on the demographics of size of company, but also the psychographics of do, if we find, we want to find people who trust partners, <laughs> right? We want to find people who really want to do this project and, and qualify. And I think that that idea of qualification and really narrowing our, our focus and ideal client, um, all those things were kind of, you know, rolling together at the same time that we, we uh, started charging for, for statements of work. Very good. Love it. Agree. Joe, how can listeners connect with you? Um, so I, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I can share my uh, link. It's not a short LinkedIn uh, URL. Um, <laughs> no, just, and, just it, if they search Joe Rice, how, how do yeah. they see you? Just look for Acclivity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, co-founder of Clivity, and uh, um, that's that's my best place for now. I'm not I'm not on Twitter, or Instagram uh, actively yet, but uh, my my new new firm will be when we launch it. So great, love it. Thank you so much for being on this episode. Okay, thanks, Timmy. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that changed everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.